You have to be good enough. The world wants to know how good you have to be to have eternal life. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 10 at the, the rich young ruler and, and see what he said, see what Jesus said. And we're going to pick that apart today, word by word, and look at how God looks at us. All right? So I'm beginning in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Jesus started on his way. Well, let me just stop there and back up and let you know that this account with the rich young ruler is found in three places. It's found in Matthew, it's found in Mark, and it's found in Luke. So, in those three Gospels, this one account is found, which means it's, it's profound. It is notable that it was in all three of the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So this is Mark's account of this encounter between the rich young ruler and Jesus. And so Jesus started on his way. I'm reading in the New International Version. A man ran up to him and fell down on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. All of these things I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything that you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So we're looking at how Jesus connected to people. And let's kind of back up half a step and say, why did people connect with Jesus? Why did people want to connect with Jesus? We looked uh, last week and, and we saw Zacchaeus up in the tree. And he connected with Jesus. Jesus connected with him. Jesus wanted to minister to Zacchaeus and called him down out of, the, out of the tree, and they connected. So there was a connection there. Why do people want to connect with Jesus? Why does Jesus want to connect with people? And then how does Jesus connect with people? Those are valid questions, right? And if we're called to be Jesus' disciples, and every time Jesus' disciples became his disciples and started following him, Jesus would turn around to them and say, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. So if Jesus was a fisher of men, and he did a good job, how should we be fishers of men and do the type of job that Jesus did? Is this resonating with you? How do we bring in the lost? Why does Jesus want us to bring in the lost? Why, does, why doesn't salvation just stop with us? Here's a big question. Does God love the world as much as he loves you and I? Absolutely. 
These are big questions. These are things that, that we, need to, we need to come in contact with more frequently as we develop a bigger heart for the world. I think God has a big heart for the world. You know, we've, we've been guilty of saying, you know, there's, there's such a divide in, in the world today between light and dark and sin and, and, and holiness or righteousness. But I want to ask a big question. Does God still love the sinner? And if he does, who's he going to use to reach out to those that are not saved? Because if we ostracize ourselves and come amongst ourselves and become more holy and more holy and more holy and more holy, and we use verses that say, come out from among them, and we look over there, and there are the sinners. Who's going to reach them? Who's God going to use to reach them? Is this ringing any bells with you? Is it, is it stirring us up? Is it making you uncomfortable? Is there, I, I want there to be some tension in the room. Right? I want us to see like Jesus sees. So that we can do what Jesus did. The first point that I want to make this morning is that Jesus listens. Jesus is approachable. That's what made him a friend. A friend, a friend has certain qualities. A friend is approachable. You have friends in your life and, and you can come to them because they've given you permission to come to them. Jesus was personable. He was approachable. That's why people came to him. He, he attracted them. He didn't repel them. Right? The little kids wanted to come to him. But his disciples said, no, 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 no. He didn't have time for them. Jesus kind of set them straight. Right? But Jesus was approachable and he was personable. When we, when we talk about people and the qualities and characteristics, we say that person is personable. What do we mean? They're easy to talk to. Jesus was easy to talk to. Jesus loved people. Jesus was a friend, and he listened. In this connection with this rich young ruler, the rich young ruler addressed Jesus as good teacher. And Jesus, in that moment of time, really understood and discerned the man's heart, but I believe that Jesus chose to listen to what the man had to say. He didn't cut him off. You know, Jesus didn't have this uh, 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 bodyguard uh, crew, squad around him, protecting him. No, no, you can't talk to him, no. There were people that came to him with a question. This was the rich young ruler. And so Jesus asked him a question. That's why I think that Jesus listened. And Jesus wants us to listen. If we're going to be friend of sinners, we're going to have to listen to people. Jesus, Jesus listened without prejudice. Jesus is the answer and he always has the answer, but he still listens. Because he wants to hear our heart. 
and he could have pointed out this man's fault in an instant. But he asked this man questions. And he was interested in what was in this man's heart. And so I like to say that listening is loving. And listening opens people's hearts. Did you ever notice that when you close your mouth, you're able to open your ears? And there's a lot of people that are not as good communicators as they should be. I'll just say, say it like that. We understand, right? We could all be better communicators. The one way to become a better communicator is, is to know when to close your mouth so that you can open your ears. Because most of the time that you're opening your mouth, your ears are closed, right? And if you close your mouth and you open your ears, there's another thing that happens. You're able to open your heart. You're able to hear what comes out of someone else's heart. It's very, it seems elementary, but it's very powerful. Jesus was a good listener. And he cared for people without prejudice. And I believe that's the, the goal of deep communication is to connect, right? When you, when, when you get to know someone, the weather is not really satisfying anymore, right? If Jesus was here physically and was seated, seated, seated on the front row, um, I don't think it would be that important for you to ask him, you know, what's the weather going to be like next week, Right? <laughs> connection we were made for connection we were made to go deep that's why we are we're satisfied when people know our heart and we can go past this how do you feel how is the weather blah 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 we were made for connection everybody say i was made for connection you guys are really quiet this morning, so I'm just, I'm, I'm taking that as you're really, really studying and you're thinking about what's being said. Connection happens when we listen. Connection is the goal of deep communication. Listening is loving and it opens our hearts. And Jesus has opened his heart to you by listening to you and he wants you to open your heart to him. John 6, 37 in the New Living Translation says, Those that the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. Here's another point of listening or not listening. You can look at it two different ways. When you don't listen, you're rejecting people. People want you to listen. This is why we have a huge divide, cultural divide, racial divide in our society today because no one wants to listen. They all want to talk. We're growing up a whole generation of young people that know how to talk. They tweet, they tweet, they tweet, or Instagram, they're pushing, they're pushing their slogans and their message out there so much they don't have time to listen to what other people are saying. Is that true? Well, we can change that just by listening. 
and acting like Jesus because Jesus said, people come to me and I accept them. I will not reject them. And there's been many times I've tested this out when I go to Jesus and, and I quiet down enough to say, Lord, I don't, I don't even know what I'm talking about. So I'm just going to sit here in your presence with your word and I'm going to ask you to show me what I need to know because I'm in a place where I don't know what I need to know, but I know that you know what I need to know. So I'm going to be quiet now and I'm just going to listen to what you have to say. So looking at this encounter, I, I noticed that the man appeared to be sincere. He calls Jesus good teacher. He kneels on his, on his knees. He bowed down. Before Jesus, he's bowing down and calling him good teacher. But then before the encounter is, is disrupted or broken, he becomes arrogant and prideful. So... I'm just saying this, that people can appear as though they're sincere and still be arrogant and prideful. They can appear as though they want the truth but still be connected to their own morality, their own good deeds, and their own possessions like we're going to find out from, from this rich young ruler. But you know, there's, there's another point here that people think that they have it all and they're still missing something. This rich young ruler, he was young and he was rich. And so probably his family had some money that they gave him and he inherited it. But listen, um, if you don't know how to generate income, then you don't stay rich very long, Right? We, we read about the prodigal son. He was given his inheritance. He went away and he squandered it, right? And he came back and he had been eating pig food, right? But this was a rich young ruler that came to Jesus with a question of how to inherit eternal life. And so he, he was a smart guy. And it appeared as though he was coming to... to, to find out what he needed to do, one more step to getting that eternal life, but then he had some pride and arrogance in him. So, we think we know how good we are until we feel like there's something missing. And that's the problem with good. Because this young man thought that he was good. Right? He calls Jesus good teacher. Jesus hooks up with him a little bit and says, okay, um, there's only one good, and that's God. So, uh, you know the commandments, right? Who determines good? That's another big question. Who determines good? Because people who think they're good like this young man, rich ruler, thought that he had gained eternal life by his goodness and by his obedience to this, the, the commandments that Jesus told him, you know, you know the commandments. But he said, you know, there's, there, I, I, 
is there one more thing that I need to do? Because I've done all of these things from my youth. So sometimes we think that we know what God requires when really we don't. This young man thought he understood what God required. But Jesus shows him here his deficiency. The second point is Jesus loves. So Jesus listens, Jesus loves. He loves him. And as I was reading this and, and trying to determine how Jesus loved him, because the NIV version of Mark 10 plainly says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. And so then I'm reading this again. I'll just read it again and see if you catch it. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor, honor your father and mother, dot, dot, dot. Teacher, he declared, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. And I put the dot, dot, dot in there because that's significant punctuation. If you count the number of commandments that Jesus listed, Jesus was not through. So, I'm supposing, this is not dogma, doctrine, or anything else, but I'm supposing that Jesus was not finished listing off the commandments when this young man probably interrupted him and said, Jesus, hey, I, I, I know that. I, I know that. I got that. I've kept all these from my youth since I was a boy. And then it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. As to say, I, I can just see Jesus looking at him and going, he loved him. He didn't berate him. He could have. He could have said, uh, young man, I'm not finished. Because it, the ones that he left out, what, number one, <laughs> love God with everything. This is what the young man didn't get. You've, are you tracking with me? And so, I believe that this young man jumped in, said, hey Jesus, I've got all that. I've done all that since I was a, a young boy. And then Jesus said, he looked at him and loved him. Let's talk about love for just a moment. Love understands the intent of the heart. Even when the person is wrong. Of anybody else, Jesus knew that this man was wrong in his questioning and was probably wrong that he cut Jesus off there in mid-sentence and that he was really asking the wrong question. What must I do to in, in, inherit eternal life? And I say that probably this young man asked the wrong question because probably the right question would have been Jesus can I follow you? 
what must I do to get on your team? Right? Jesus is life. He's the resurrection, the way, and the life. So it's interesting that people want to know what they have to do to get to God. Or people want to know what they have to do to get from God. What they need. And this young man expected to hear, hey, you've done everything. Or at least something easier than what Jesus was suggesting, that you give everything to the poor. So why didn't this young man ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, are you the Messiah? I mean, why did this young rich ruler say, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The point is, though, that the rich young ruler asked the wrong question. Jesus understood his arrogance behind the question, but he loved him anyway. He loved him anyway. Jesus knew that this man was bound by his accomplishments, and he was tied to what he, he had accumulated. People get tied to what they accumulate. And it's a sense of security. And God wants us to be secure in one thing. And that one thing is our relationship with Him. How much He loves us. How much He has for us, not only in this life, but in the life to come. And so Jesus was drawing a line in the sand and telling this man, hey, you and your stuff, if, if, if you dare, leave your stuff over there and come and follow me. But he loved him. Now, he, Jesus, let's go over the points again. Jesus listened. Then he loved. And then the third point is that he led. He listened, he Loved, and that he led. But before we go to three, there's a couple more points on two that I want to get to. Jesus shows us that there's nothing that we can do that is good enough to earn salvation. Salvation is a free gift, and you can't buy salvation with your good deeds. And since salvation is a free gift, every other gift from God is free. Every other gift from God is what? Free. Free. You can't earn it. And so this destroys this lie that people think that they can be good enough to go to heaven or good enough to etern, uh, earn eternal life inherit eternal life, are good enough to earn something from God. You can't be good enough. You can't pray long enough. You can't memorize enough scripture to get anything from God. Because God gives everything that you need to you freely. That's what's considered a gift. Eternal life is not about being good. It's about believing the truth. 
And this is, what re- this is the difference between religion and relationship. Right? Here's what religion does. Religion makes you proud of your effort. Religion is defined as a list of things to do made by man that gets you to a higher place with God. The relationship that we enjoy with Jesus is a a list of things that he did to come to you. Like Revelation, he says that Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. Jesus already paid the way for you. Look at Luke chapter 4, and and you'll see the love of God in action. I'm going to read Luke 4, 36 through 50. Thirty-eight through fifty. Jesus left. Wait a minute. No, seven. Luke seven. Luke seven thirty-six. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood there behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet her feet. And she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Jesus then said to her, your sins are forgiven. Of course, the other guest, it says in verse 49, the other guest began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus could have said, 
I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God. I'm the only one that can forgive sin in this manner. But he pointed to the woman's faith. Notice that Jesus did not point to her crying, didn't point to her good works, didn't point to her giving up a a year's worth of salary on this perfumed oil that was poured over his feet. Jesus didn't pay value to anything except her faith. But he treated her with love and respect while everyone there looked on in disrespect of the woman and Jesus. Isn't that interesting? How much Jesus loves sinners. And when we see how much he loves sinners, it really shakes us up. And we have to ask ourselves the question, do we love sinners that much? So the third point here in this message is that Jesus leads. He listens, he loves, but then he leads. He's personable, he's relatable, he's attractive, he attracted people, he listened to them, he loved them, he valued them, but then he led them somewhere. He took them somewhere. Jesus is, is, is moving somewhere, always, right? Jesus, in this situation, did not devalue the man or what the man had done. But Jesus had a plan to lead the man to the truth. You know, Jesus, when the guy started listing off... Uh, Jesus started lifting off, listing off all the commandments, and the guy says, I've kept those from my, from my youth as a, as a boy. Jesus did not say, no, you didn't. You know, five years ago, you think that blah, 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 and Jesus didn't get in an arguing match with the man. That wasn't the point. The point was that Jesus needed to listen to him in order to love him, in order to lead him somewhere. So Jesus is the answer, has the answer, but he's always going somewhere. He's leading you to the truth. That's why he could say that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father except through me. And if we want life, we're going to follow Jesus. If you want to see the Father, look at Jesus and follow Jesus. It's all about following Jesus. It's all about connecting with people who are stuck that don't know Jesus. And because we know Jesus, listening to them, loving them, and leading them to follow Jesus. Right? Through this whole encounter, Jesus gives the man a chance to take the next step in following him. He recognizes the pride and the arrogance that this man has, but he still gives him a chance to follow him. Because Jesus said, all of your possessions, take them, give that to the poor, and come and follow me. Right? He gave him a chance. So trusting in what you've done all your life And what you've produced all of your life is trusting in the wrong thing. 
and trusting in the wrong thing will always take you in the wrong direction, away from God. Your good deeds aren't good enough and your possessions aren't enough. Jesus still requires this man and us to follow him. To follow him. Are we following him? Are we trusting in what we've done? What we have? That's one question that we need to resolve at the end of this message. The other question is, are we being as much like Jesus as we can be? Because Jesus is still listening, he's still loving, and he's still leading people. Are we leading people like Jesus leads people? Are we willing to listen to them? Even though that they're proud and arrogant? Are we willing to, to, to say, come follow me as I follow Christ? I'm not perfect. I can't claim to be Christ. But the more I follow him, the closer I get to him, the more closely I follow him, the more I look like him, right? The more attractive I should be to the world. Because Jesus attracted the world. Jesus didn't come to this earth to set up a closed group that you had to email the moderator or the administrator to become a member of that private group. Jesus set up a social network <laughs> and he used the word whosoever. He didn't charge for it in admittance. He paid the cost. And he still is still open. Still waiting for people to say, yes, I believe. Or even people that doubt. I'm going to deal with, with doubt and in the next couple of weeks. We come in contact with people who doubt. Why do they doubt? I'll just give you a little preview. The reason that doubt is on the rise today is because nobody knows what to believe. There is an absence of truth in our society. Everybody says what they want to say and declare that it's the truth. And so nobody knows what to believe. But here's what people cannot deny is a life changed by Jesus. They can argue with the Bible, but they can't argue with a life that is changed by Jesus. My life has been changed by Jesus. And I'm not looking to go back. I'm looking to keep following him closer and closer and closer and closer so that people can read my life as a living epistle. They're not arguing with version, what version you use and what scripture and is that really the, the word of God and, you know, skeptics need to look at our life and go, wow, 
there's some proof that Jesus is alive. Right? I want to encourage you to, to connect with people in the world this week. This is a great day to come together, but listen, our Super Bowl is not on Sunday, it's on Monday. We go out into the white fields of harvest, those fields that are white unto harvest. Jesus said, keep looking at those fields. Love those people as much as I do. John 3.16, what? For God, uh, God did not send Jesus in the world, condemn the world, but that through him they might be saved. So if it was good enough for you, it's good enough for everybody. Amen? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes right now. If, if you're in here, and I don't want to take, I don't want to assume that there's no one watching or no one in this building that, that hasn't made Jesus the Lord of your life. If you're here and you have not prayed and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, then that's what we need to do today. That is the primary thing. That is why you've been listening to this message. So that you can say yes to Jesus. Because he wants you at the end of this to follow him. He said, follow me. Follow me. He didn't even, he didn't even tell the rich young ruler, uh, you need to bend down here and repent of all your lying and all of your possessions and... No. He just said, follow me. Follow me. Separate yourself from the stuff that's been holding you back and follow me. So if you're choosing to follow Jesus today, it begins with a first step of declaring, deciding and declaring in your heart that you're going to follow Jesus. And it's by a little, uh, a, a little prayer. It's a short prayer, but it's a powerful prayer. It's in the de a decision that you make in your heart. It goes something like this. You can pray with me. Lord Jesus, 